Well, hello, Vision Serve Alliance, and welcome to the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Lee Nasahi, and today we'll be speaking with Vision Serve Alliance's newest team member, Paul Schrader. Many of you knew, know Paul. We've known him for a long time, and we're just thrilled that he's part of the Vision Serve Alliance team now. He joined us this week as our senior policy advocate. So, Paul, how you doing, buddy? I am so excited, Lee. Thanks. I'm glad to be part of the team. I have always admired the work of our community agencies, and uh, I'm excited to be part of this coalition. I've always thought this was such a great uh, sleeping giant, if you will, for policy advocacy, because these folks are the ones that are connected to, to members of Congress. Yeah, I, I, we're all excited to be um, doing more in the area of public policy. When we convened in Atlanta last November, there was a, a pretty loud and um, concerted effort amongst the members to learn how Vision Serve Alliance can better coordinate public policy effort throughout our field. Um, you know, it's overused, but let me just say, together we can do so much. So since then, we have made a concerted effort. We have created a public policy committee, as you know, and uh, we, are, we are starting to move forward on how we can better coordinate our public policy efforts. And we're, we're thrilled to have you on board to help us uh, lead that, Paul. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Excellent. I was so sorry I missed the Atlanta event uh, when I talked with, with you and Wendy during the, some of the early stages of it. It just sounded so exciting. So I'm glad it went well, and I'm glad folks were excited about policy work. Yes, they are. So, Paul, why don't we start by um, you telling us a little bit about your background and how you got started um, and moved into public policy? You know, the problem with being an old guy around this stuff is the background stretches back a ways now. Um, but I'll, I'll give us just a couple of quick highlights. Um, I, because I've been around the policy process and policy work in the disability field since I started in 1985 as a, as a wee lad uh, back in Ohio working for, working for uh, a governor's office. It was kind of a unique office. There were only a couple in the country of offices working on disability issues within the state government, within the governor's uh, office. So Ohio, is, may surprise many people to know, had a very progressive governor at the time who took disability issues seriously. Um, so I really learned a lot early on about uh, cross-disability issues. And, and for those who remember the 80s, it was a heady time, the beginnings of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, of course, the ADA, the Deaf President Now movement at Gallaudet uh, in the late 80s. So it was an exciting time to be a young person yes, in the was. disability advocacy field. Um, and I loved it. So I, I got to do some ADA grassroots work, which uh, ultimately led me to the American Council of the Blind uh, government relations work in Washington, and then to the American Foundation for the Blind doing policy work with them. And over that stretch, uh, got to work on some really exciting issues, uh, telecommunications and technology accessibility, textbook accessibility, and um, 
the most recent uh, bipartisan, very uh, highly supported uh, effort in the, in the blindness field was the Communications and Video Accessibility Act of 2010, which uh, dramatically changed television and, and mobile phone technology accessibility for all of us. Yeah, well, that's quite a resume, Paul. And um, it sounds like you have passion for public policy. What, what draws you to that particular aspect of our field? I have always been interested in, in government for whatever reason. I'm one of these, you know, political geeky nerd kids that even growing up in the 70s, I can tell you who was running for president. And at least give you <laughs> a little bit of detail about who, what they were, what their positions were. Um, I remember that for whatever reason, I was a Scoop Jackson supporter in 1976. Really? <laughs> wow. At this point, can't tell you why, but, but, I, but I was. Um, so I've always been drawn to it. I went to school in Washington, D.C. I started with international studies, and I do have a degree in that because that was really an area of interest is, is how um, we worked with uh, foreign policy issues in, in this country. And that's, and that's not a topic that draws most people. Uh, mm -hmm. We're not a very foreign policy focused country. But I also added political science uh, and, and got very interested in, in the formulation of policy, uh, healthcare, education were a couple of the ones that I was drawn to in the early 80s because there was a lot of interesting talk um, and, and efforts at that time to try to reshape healthcare and, and education systems. Very good. Well, so this is a loaded question with, uh, <laughs> with the big COVID-19 crisis right now, but maybe we step back just a few weeks <laughs> when the world before the world changed yeah. and and i'd like to ask you what public policy issue do you see as the most pressing or issues for people who are blind or visually impaired it is so interesting how how issues will change everything uh, you know 911 i was mm -hmm. i was actually on the hill uh, lobbying for older blind appropriations of all things in 2001 um, when wow. the planes hit. I mean, I was literally going between the House and uh, the Senate House. Wow. And, uh, at, at that point, uh, probably had, had Flight 93 made it, presumably to the Capitol Dome. Um, I would have been kind of close to the path. Wow. Um, and it was, uh, but you know what, uh, you know, you learn a lot from, from that in the 2008 mm -hmm. panic as well uh, about what, how responses work and how to understand that our issues will sometimes take a backseat, of course, to these pressing national concerns. But to answer your question, um, for me, I think there's a whole rubric of issues that fall under the heading of accessibility. Uh, and largely it's accessibility to information, but, but it, sometimes it's the means by which we get it. So we, we still as a community have obviously high underemployment and, and uh, unemployment levels. Um, and some of that, it's not all technology, but, but a lot of it is related now more than ever to technology and how to manipulate and use information um, at any level, whether it's uh, white collar or even blue collar kinds of jobs. So that's, that remains a, a key piece. I think there's some unfinished business around web accessibility that unfortunately was not accomplished during the previous administration It needs to get addressed. Transportation always is an issue uh, that faces us and 
there's so many aspects to that, but there, there is a, there's an information component, you know, making it easier for people to use public transit. And then there's all the interesting creative things that communities are doing around public and uh, shared transit uh, using, using share, uh, ride share programs and pool programs and other ways to help people uh, move more efficiently through the community. And that's so exciting for me. It's one of the things I really am keen to talk about with community agencies is how do we make sure uh, we're working with our community transit providers to, to embrace Absolutely. some of these uh, tech, uh, new technologies and techniques. Education, again, access to, is to something I learned with my time with IRA, uh, AIRA, the, the Remote Information Access uh, Company, um, that we are still very challenged, and we're going to see this now over the next several months as people do more online education, whether it's K-12 yeah. or post-secondary. Mm -hmm. We are so challenged in how to use these technologies for education. So much of it is still kind of vision-based uh, and hasn't really fully embraced accessibility. So those, all of these things kind of fall into the accessibility rubric. And uh, I think those are, those are key issues. We still have a bunch of others, just flat out program support. I mentioned older, older blind program, which, yeah, we were lobbying in 2001, but it hasn't changed much since then. We, we you know, I, I'm very proud of the American Foundation for the Blind's work and helping and NCSAB working together, help raise that funding level significantly at the time, but it's, it's stayed stagnant. And we, you know, we need to get back to looking at program support. We sure do. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, so, how can VisionServe Alliance play a, a, a role? What is VisionServe Alliance's potential role in improving government policy for people who are blind and visually impaired? Well, we talked about that at the outset, or I mentioned that at the outset, and that's, that's what's always excited me about our community-based agencies uh, in this field. Back as, as far as I've been involved, even back to in, in Ohio, um, where I saw how important agencies at the community level could be, mm -hmm. because this is where members of state legislature, even local councils, and of course, members of Congress, this is one of the ways they get in touch with their communities is to tour, visit, sit down with, hold meetings at uh, these agencies, because they can it's, it's part of how they take the pulse and understand what's critical, what's happening in their communities. And I, I saw that repeatedly in Ohio with um, communities that serve people with disabilities and others uh, were able to get attention because they could collectively kind of grab that attention from a legislator. And so I have long, and I, I know at, I've been at BSA meetings from time to time where I've really been trying to push people to say, it is so important for you to reach out to your members of Congress or your state legislatures, and a lot I know do, yeah. um, to have them tour. There's, you know, that great story of the Chicago Lighthouse that had a, a, a little known state senator named Barack Obama come visit. And, That's uh, right. you know, it made a difference. Uh, obviously, you know, you don't always get to have a future president come visit, but you never know. Uh, you never know. You never know. So. I am so uh, excited to see how we can help support agencies in, in doing that. And it, it serves their purpose because it helps get uh, more publicity and more recognition and brand recognition in the community as a place that's uh, important to uh, political uh, politicians and political policymakers. But it also serves the broader interest of, of our 
of our national community because now you've got somebody in Congress or at the state legislature who understands a little bit more what services mean, what difference they make, uh, and you know probably took some pictures uh, and and we'll we'll find a way to get those into their newsletters to constituents to see look you know look look at the important work I'm doing. That's right. Uh, helping to support these agencies. Absolutely. Well, um, listeners, uh, as as you may have heard, Vision Serve Alliance is still intending to bring together the leaders of all our national associations, organizations in the field to talk about how, uh, how we might create a collective vision for public policy. And um, we have had a little interruption with COVID-19, so we will see how we proceed with that. We were hoping to pull together the group sometime in May or June, and uh, we're, we're just gonna have to put, push the pause button on that for a little while, but we will move forward and bring folks together to do collective visioning because we all believe that together we can be much more successful and impactful. So Paul, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. We are so excited to be working with you and look forward to what we're going to do together. Thank you for joining us today. I, I do too, Lee, and I, I don't want to sound Pollyanna necessarily, but I do think that we're going to all learn from this experience, as we've learned in the past, that working together, working collaborative really is the only way we're going to get really through these challenges. And I suspect that when we're back in business, um, we will have, I hope, a little more strengthened sense of communities working together is the key and the importance of services like the services provided by the members of, of VisionServe. Absolutely. So this is Lee Nasahi talking with Paul Schrader. Thank you for tuning in. As always, remember to be mission-driven, work together, and give a damn. Until next time, this is the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. <laughs>